Welcome to Crime Talk BK. Uh, I'm your host, Joanna Perpich, here with Megan Duffy. Good morning. And uh, so this week, our episode is all about showing the huge difference that these protests for uh, Black Lives Matter have made. And um, I know at times it can feel kind of like protesting and activism doesn't really change very much it doesn't or it doesn't change things as quickly as we would like uh, but we're actually starting to see a lot of cities uh, taking these concerns for um, criminal justice reform very seriously and uh, yeah so we just wanted to do kind of a hopeful episode where we go over some of the um, really awesome uh, results mm-hmm. from these protests. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm excited. Um, uh, do you want us to start with New York first? Yeah, let's do that. And Megan, since you have so much for New York, why don't you just jump into it? Okay. So last uh, Friday, our Governor Cuomo signed into a law, a bill that repeals um Rule 50A, which is the rule that was keeping the personnel records 
and disciplinary records of the police department secret. If we all remember back to the um, Eric Garner case, which is why we couldn't, we found out about all those things about Pantaleo much later on in the game. And we still didn't actually see all his records. Um, this includes things like complaints, transcripts, final dispositions, um, any any blights in the personnel record of the officer. Um, and it's, this whole thing is supposed to increase systematic accountability through transparency and uh, addressing police violence in our, in our communities. So hopefully they won't just walk around with impunity anymore. Yeah. Well, and one thing that really struck me about 58 is, is that um, this sounds kind of wild, but under 58, any disciplinary record um, you can't receive through a public records request. Mm-hmm. And then I was surprised that New York is one of the states that had, before it was repealed, um, the least transparency with the police. That doesn't surprise me, considering what our union is like. That's true. Uh, but with it being so progressive in so many other ways, I was a little bit, I guess, taken aback that uh, a law like this had been on the books. Yeah, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with the union and who's, you know, really running the show. This, So this thing, um, this, this law that was signed also repeals or bans chokeholds. And my favorite thing of all, all time, prohibits false race-based 911 calls. Yeah, we're talking about all you Karens out there in the world. Can't take a walk through Central Park without calling some fucking bird watcher in the bushes. Talking no, to you. No, that's really, yeah, that's important. I'm glad they added that in there. Um, that's going to be really fun to watch people because I'm sure that those folks probably don't keep up with the news very much. So um, I can just see like the Gothamist headline for the first person who gets arrested or whatever for calling the police because of the, I don't know, neighbor kid walking past their apartment. Yeah, I w it'll be interesting to... Um see what they charge them with, with false 911 calls or false reporting or, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, you know, they will be like, Karen, first Karen to, yeah, I'm, just, I'm so Your over Your head these. just spins off. Yeah, I'm so over these people. I really am. And then yeah. the one more thing it does is it makes the attorney general, who is currently Letitia James, the independent prosecutor in all killings of unarmed civilians by the police department. Oh, that's really good. Automatically. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'm excited about that. That um, um, I'm it's not, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done, but this is a really big step in the right direction. Oh, for sure. And then this bill, I think, also banned chokeholds. Did you already say that? I don't remember. Yes, it does. I don't yeah. know if I said it or not. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. uh, the article that I was reading about this bill is really um, heart-wrenching because Eric Garner's family were invited to speak. And oh, that God. was like six years ago. I know. 
Oh, you know? They had to wait for some sort of resolution on that. And that cop, Pantaleo, he didn't get fired for that. He got fired for lying. <sighs> That's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. They basically said he became ineffectual. I was like, really? You're just going to kick him out on a technicality? Okay. Mm. Fucking dicks. Okay. So, um, also, they, um, by next April, approximately 500 police departments in the state will have to develop plans to address everything from implicit bias awareness to use of force training um, under an executive order that was also signed. And if the departments don't comply, they will no longer be receiving state aid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely wouldn't mind if that had gone further, uh, but it, yeah. it's good that they're actually trying to do something. Well, I think that can go into that whole new federal accountability thing that we are talking about later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what do you got? Oh, well... Since uh, you just brought up the federal accountability, we can just jump into that. Right on. All right. uh, So let me see. There are currently multiple bills that are working through Congress that are in support of police reform. Um, Now, as anyone with a pulse could have guessed, there is, it sounds like there is like the Republican bill, the Democrat bill, but everyone agrees that there needs to be reform. Right. Which is good. Okay. And uh, so the thing that I could find the most information on was the the Democrats bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would ban chokeholds and uh, no knock warrants during drug investigations. Uh, keep in mind that... Um, Give me one second. Keep in mind that... Oh, shoot. <laughs> that's what I'm they killed. That's what sure they... I have... They killed the right. Brianna Taylor on one of those no-knock warrants. Yeah, I was just checking. All right, I'm just going to say that again because we're editing this. Yay! So. Keep in mind that Brianna Taylor was killed during one of these no-knock warrants, um, I believe also for a drug investigation. Um, and then, of course, in that case, they had the wrong house. But even if they had the correct house, their behavior was the police behavior was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. The legislation would also create a database on police misconduct. It would make lynching a federal crime and end qualified immunity for police officers. And so the qualified immunity is uh, and the federal database on police misconduct are both really important because that will help um, keep police accountable, increase transparency. Um, And so, you know, like, it's really great that there's states like New York that are kind of getting a jump on this. Uh, But I definitely think that the hope is is that uh, the national government would be able to pass something and then in states where it would probably be much more difficult 
to pass some of these bills on a more like local level, they would still be covered. Well, let's, let's just briefly outline what qualified immunity means because I had to look it up just to make sure that I knew definitively what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not a actual law on the books anywhere is the legal doctrine that's been created by years of case law by the Supreme court. And it's basically shields police officers and other government officials from being sued by victims and their families, even if the civil rights of those people had been violated. Right. And so over the years, it started out, I think, uh, the modern definition of it started in 1982, and but over the years, what ends up happening is prosecutors are loath to file any criminal charges against any government official or police officer when they're, you know, um, doing their, you know, when they're committing these acts in the in their line of duty, so to speak, right? And then, so that creates one barrier, and then the courts also are are avoid deciding if those are abuses abuses are unconstitutional by because they actually like to rely on an identical fact pattern from one case to another and so if it's not clearly established they can sort of um avoid it by making a new rule right so that's the that's the dark hole that we've fallen in with qualified immunity that's helpful mm. yeah it's also like um there's so many legal terms that are being thrown around on the um, media these days. And a lot of it sounds a lot more extreme than it actually is when you break down the definitions. You mean like defunding so. the police? Oh my goodness, yes. I've been, uh, I'm in this like Facebook debate group, which you just know is a bad idea. <laughs> I am not, I am not, I don't have a mental capacity for that these days. Not, nope. Um, but someone was talking about whether or not the um, movement for police reform has been harmed by calling it defund the police. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm just going to well, throw my computer out the window. I don't, I don't know if it's been harmed because they've done, they've done enough harm on their own, but we could have come up with something better. Because it just gave it just gave the alt right like a big slogan, right? Like it's just we could have come up with something better. I mean, I don't mind it. I, I mean, think that many people are calling for like the police departments to be totally like broken down. I totally agree. You know? I totally agree. So. It's like we could have come up with like some good acronym. We like the government loves an acronym, you know? Yeah, an acronym probably would have been. I don't know. You can put that on a poster, too. Mm-hmm. But anyway. <laughs> oh, speaking of defunding and dismantling, uh, that's what Minneapolis is doing. Oh, yeah, let's go into that. Um, yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, nine Minneapolis City Council members n- announced plans last week to completely dismantle the police department, which they are a veto-proof majority out of the 12, so... Um, what they're doing is um, they're going to create a transform, quote unquote, transformative new model of policing in the city um, because the current system is just not even reformable, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. you might as well just take it down and start over. 
Well, and I imagine that there's absolutely no public trust. Not no more. The police anymore. There wasn't. There wasn't a lot to begin with. I mean, it's been that it's a, been a very problematic police department for a really long time. Um, so it's going to be a year-long process of community engagement, research, structural change um, to cultivate a new policing model um, and cultivating in safety, not just for the residents, but also for, you know, the police officers. They also are, you know, taxpaying citizens of the city. They deserve safety on the job. Um, the Minneapolis police chief, Madaria Arandondo, I kind of butchered that. He's kind of, I kind of like him a lot. Um, he said this week the department is withdrawing from contract negotiations with the police union. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, it needs, the whole thing needs to be restructured to provide more transparency and flexibility for true reform. It's not about the wages and salaries. It's to examine the bigger significant matters like um, the critical incident protocol, use of force, and significant roles that supervisors play in the department. And, and of course, most importantly, the discipline process to include uh, both grievances and arbitration. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, he is reaching out to, uh, Ara Donto is reaching out to a bunch of experts outside of the state of Minnesota to examine the contract um, with the Police Officers Federation. And um, so that's what, it'll be interesting to watch what's going to happen in the next year because they're, they're going to start the ball rolling almost immediately. And then also, oh, sorry. No, I was I was thinking that you know they're going to reach out to all these other cities. There haven't, I mean, there hasn't been you know a huge number of them, but they're you look at Camden, whatever, what they did right, what they did wrong, and and um, taking into account um, all those other models and and start trying to come up with this really um, transformed idea of what city policing is, right? Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. And then one other piece of news that I remember reading, this is from a week or two ago, um, but the Minneapolis public schools have actually uh, ended their contracts with the police department. And it looks like the city's parks department has as well. That was the University uh, of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, almost all institutions, um, local bars, all those things are like, nope, we don't want to work with you anymore. But I'm really uh, pleased that the Parks Department and that schools are trying to minimize their interactions with police because you look at some of these kids and they're like, some kids are really young when they have their first just really horrible interaction with the police, like the first time that they're profiled or there's some like mental health disturbance and the kids put in handcuffs, like sometimes even elementary school, mm-hmm. you know, and that just um, puts a crack in the foundation, you know? Uh, yeah. A big crack in their, in their 
tiny juvenile body foundation where their brain's not even fully you know, matured yet to even sort of understand what's happening or make right decisions in the, in the situation, you know, and they're operating on fear and intimidation at that point. Yeah. And then the parks department, I think, is important because that's going to probably really affect homeless people. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, of course, like, the protests have been very pointed in Minneapolis. Uh, so I'm really happy to hear that folks are listening. Folks are listening. Um, you know, the protests are still going on. It's become a little more peaceful. They have, um, you know, the neighborhood watch groups are now out and paying attention to their own neighborhoods and things like that. Because, you know, now that it's out that we all know that it's not protesters that are, you know, inciting most of the violence or the property damage. They're just, they're, they're coming together and taking care of themselves and doing grocery drops and rebuilding and all kinds of things. And that's, that's the Minneapolis that I know and grew up in. And that's why I was so devastated by watching this whole thing. Yeah, for sure. But it's, I I totally get it. You know, I totally understand why. What are folks saying in Minneapolis, like folks from back home, about all this? Um, Some of my friends, like me, are old and cynical and um, don't believe that anything's going to actually come of it. I think that part of that is because it could take too long and you're not, you know, that they want to see uh, immediate change. As far as I'm concerned, this is pretty close to as immediate as you can get with canceling the contracts with the union and announcing the dismantlement of the police department, you know, like there's always going to be some people on both sides of the aisle, but I, this is different. You know, this whole, this whole thing is very different. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, and I think a lot of people are just sort of holding their breath. Hoping that it goes right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Minneapolis has a um, potential to be at the forefront of police reform, you know, because they will be, they're larger than Camden, right? Yes. Yeah. Minneapolis is a big city, you know, so if they're able to pull this off with police not being in schools, with them you know, um, getting, like, dismantled in the way that they're getting dismantled. And if everything really works out, I think that this could be a huge example for other cities to follow. I think so, too. And I think it may be – I think it would also help up the recruitment of good police officers. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I've been hearing horror stories. I mean, of course, like – grain of salt because it's all like Facebook posts and stuff. So I haven't fact checked it, but folks are saying about like this one man wrote a post about how he was like a newbie police officer and he was out on the rounds and he's like paired with like a more senior officer and the more senior officer Mm -hmm. um, was trying to arrest this kid. And so junior was just like, Oh, like, well, what did he do? And the other cop couldn't really tell him. 
so the junior cop's like, I don't think you can do that, you know? And so they ended up not arresting the kid, but then the senior police officer was, like, really mad at the guy. And when they got back to the police department, the guy was transferred to the unit of the senior officer who is now angry at him. And he gives him, like, a bunch of menial jobs and stuff. And then he had, like, various levels of, like, manager, like, people above him, like, being like, well, you need to stick together and you brotherhood, you know, and stuff like that. And he finally just quit. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that it's true, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And even if his story isn't true, someone else's story, like, just like that could be true. Mm-hmm. It's, you need to have an environment where police are incentivized to do the right thing. Yeah, because and I even, just don't think we have that right now. Absolutely not. I think if it, you know, like there, the the that wall of silence creates, um, even if they have the moral compass within inside them to do the right thing, the environment makes them accessories out of them. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. they're an unwitting accomplice, or winning. Yeah. Out of fear, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, bouncing back to something on the federal level that I am actually quite skeptical about, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say tom- so tomorrow, Tuesday of the week that we're recording. So this will have been last Tuesday by the time this episode airs. The 16th. Um, Yes, the 16th. <laughs> well, it's confusing. I feel like we're, like, traveling into the future a little bit when we record this. I know. I totally get you. If I, don't, if um, I didn't work, I wouldn't know what day it was, so it's okay. No, I barely know. <laughs> uh, so Trump is reportedly signing an executive order on the 16th um, that, calls, that will be about police reform. Uh, let me see. It will have language strengthening the ways to track police misconduct. Is this is, is this the one so written by vague. Is this the one written by our our, our uh, White House resident racist Stephen Miller? Oh, I don't even know. I just found this on CNBC because I hadn't really heard anything about it, so I'm okay. just like, oh, this is cool. Um, and there's just really very few details <laughs> like i don't know like trump made a quote he had like a little press conference about um signing the bill tomorrow but i've chosen not to quote him because i don't really believe that he means what he's saying why would uh, you think that oh i don't know he's <laughs> just... i was hoping he'd roll down that ramp the other day is that bad my schadenfreude uh, runs deep with him i'm sorry <laughs> I have mixed feelings about people making fun of him for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I see the pain in your face. You're like, no, please let me. (laughs) Um, I do admit that I would not mind if he stubbed his toe every morning when he got out of bed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like that's uh, a good curse to lay on someone. I'm a little more vindictive than that, but um, okay. <laughs> okay. Let's impeach or something <laughs> like. I mean, could we just impeach him again, please? Take him out of office. Don't vote for him. Anyway, um, the thing that I worry with the executive order between you and me is I'm concerned that a lot of folks will be like, we're done. And I don't think that any people who are like Black Lives Matter organizers are going to think that. But um, I kind of wonder if maybe they're doing this just to take the wind out of everyone's sails. It's not going to take the wind out of our sail because we know there's not going to have any wind in it. Like it's not even going to it's not going to do anything. It's just him posing for whatever few black people he has left to be like, look what I did. Yeah. Because there are still some black people that support the man. I don't understand it, but there there are. Yeah. I'm trying to find. I don't really have any other. You see Trump. I can't type fast enough to <laughs> look things up um, in real time. Let's just see what ABC, if they say anything different. Okay. I guess, what's the point of even announcing this if you're going to give such little information? No, there's no information. Nobody knows Nobody what knows. this is going to say. <laughs> it's pretty much par for the course of this presidency. No one knows. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, he's signing something. And it will probably be a national database. That's good, at least. Right. Okay. Um, oh. And then... Oh. Nope. Go ahead. Uh, okay. I was going to switch something else. What, what did you want to say? Oh, I wanted to... T- I forgot to mention this in my New York piece. It just came out, like, 20 minutes before you and I started talking about the and New York... The NYPD disbands its undercover anti-crime unit for disproportionate number of shootings. Um... So roughly about 600 officers, they're going to be reassigned to other uh, job assignments. They are currently spread out about an, um, all over different precincts and police service areas across the city. Um, because Dermot Shea in a press conference, like the Brits call it a pressy, so I'm going to start using that word, by the way, the pressy. Um, he's announced that it's like 6% of the police force and they're involved in nearly a third of all fatal shootings since 2000. Wow. Yeah. So um, now again, I'm a cynical bitch, but I read these words and I had, cause I was a little hopeful today about all this good stuff that we're reading about. So I'm going to read you this quote from his speech. We can do it with brains. We can do it with guile. We can move away from brute force. We will need the cooperation of the five district attorneys to continue to keep New York City the safest big city in America. But we also have to do it with communities that we serve. We need the cooperation and the trust. That means they're going to start using intelligence, data, video, DNA, and other things and stop relying on police, the the police force. Now, this doesn't affect um, undercover narcotics or undercover traffic. Mm-hmm. Well, so. mm-hmm. And could you just say one more time what exactly this police force does? The undercover anti-crime unit? Yeah. I will pull it up on my phone. 
It's like, because I just was like imagining these folks like stalking teenage boys being like, don't steal that bag of chips, you know? Again, with the renaming, don't you, like we could rename something better. Like, aren't all police officers anti-crime? Mm-hmm. Let's see. So they are, they are plainclothes officers. Let's see. That's not right. Where was the wiki? It's a street crimes unit. Okay. Um, street crimes unit. It's a uh, was formed in 1971 um, and uh, has been operated for decades to apprehend oh. armed felons, armed felons from the streets. That is so vague. Um, yeah, so they're basically the only times it sounds like they're effective. No, they're just not effective. Never mind. No, so the <laughs> so the original group was disbanded after the killing of Amadou Diallo in 2002, and they created a new group later. Um yeah, I mean, it's ba- it's basically just unarmed police officers or um, plainclothes armed police officers running around the streets. That sounds super dangerous. I mean, it's hard to know what you're watching a lot of the time, you know? Yeah, particularly if you can't hear the conversation that's going on or there's no context given to the thing that you're watching. Mm-hmm. So... Um, oh, this is uh, to go after people who've been mugged to like muggers. Okay, I have been mugged, mm-hmm. right? And I do not think that the situation would have been improved by an armed police officer. Oh God, no! Absolutely not. No, take my purse. It's fine. Like a lady with her handbag full of cans knocked him out for me. That was good enough. I know. I love like, that story. <laughs> I do love that story. That's what they should have. The uh, they should have their new anti-crime unit. A bunch of old ladies with cans in their purse running around the city. Totally. <laughs> you know, I bet that might actually. No, I can stare down grandma. Mm-hmm. No, but it's ever... crazy. Okay, so the street crimes unit's motto is "We own the night." All right, Batman. I'm sorry. You don't fucking own the night. Oh, Lord. Mm-mm. That's creepy and gross. I know. There's, I didn't even know that was a thing. A bunch of stormtroopers. What the hell? Oh, I have some good news. I just thought of um, this. I have it's one of my Facebook news series. Yay. <laughs> Are um, we sure it's true or not true? Yes, it is 100% true. Okay. All right. So, you know Marvel's The Punisher? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Punisher logo is, like, adopted by cops, and it's like that skull, you know, with, like, the teeth. Yeah, the long teeth, yeah. Yeah, and you see it, like, people who are, like, cops will put it on the back of their SUVs or whatever. All right, uh, so the co-creator, uh, I believe Jerry Conway, uh, is... Not so happy that the police 
are and like the alt right and whoever are using this symbol. And so he released a statement and he's just like, fuck you. Then he created a Black Lives Matter Punisher um, like sticker. Mm-hmm. And um, the benefits um, or the proceeds go to Black Lives Matter. I'm going to get one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is like very obviously pro Black Lives Matter. Like you're never going, like it says like BLM and like block letters next to the school. So it's not even something that is like, you're not going to mistake it. Uh, but I really like the idea that I'm just really hoping that there's some like dude bro out there who's trying to like scrape this sticker off the back of his car and it's like <laughs> giving him a hard time. Mm. You know what we could do is uh, is get the, the have those grannies with the cans following us around and just go around the neighborhood and replace them with the BLM stickers. That would be funny. Oh, they have a one for um trans people too who've been killed. Ooh, did you see the Supreme Court ruling today? Oh, yes, I did. Title Title 7 protects trans and gay people at their goddamn jobs. Yes. Um so this is pretty unrelated to the protest, but it is truly happy news. Um you can't fire it for being queer. That's very exciting. It's very uh, people exciting. People have been waiting a long time for that. And actually before this in most states you could in fact be fired. Yeah, it was about halfsies. Yep. And it yeah. was a 6-3 decision. 6-3. So a couple, it was Gorsuch and Roberts signed up with the with the ladies of the court. Mhm. Mhm. I was pretty pleased with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all sorts of there've been some bad news this week, but there's some good news too. Yeah, there's also one um there was also a really good news just on the Supreme Court note that uh, the there was some sanctuary rule out of California where um, the state of California refused to allow the police department and any re- local resources to be used in, con- in to contri- contribute to any ICE dealings or deportations. And the Supreme Court upheld the California standing. So, um Thoughts and prayers to the Trump administration today. <laughs> the same. Seems I was to say, oh, that's spicy, but that's pretty mild for you. It's pretty, it's pretty mild for me, and that's all we get anytime something happens that offends our sensibilities. So that's exactly mm-hmm. why I'm giving back to them. Thoughts and prayers to you, sir. Don't fall down that ramp. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Okay, back to topic. Back to top. Uh, all right. Uh, so I have good news on the Texas front. Give it to me, girl. All right. So both the Austin, um, both Austin and Dallas, have asked their city council to make cuts to their police department and then use that money to fund social programs. Mm-hmm. And um, it looks like it might actually go somewhere, uh, which is really wonderful because the bill. Because the um, budget for the Houston Police Department uh, gave them a uh, increase, so okay. that's All really right. frustrating. How is, uh, how is what's the mood down in Texas? Mixed, yeah. Um, 
so of course, like the state's very conservative and people are very used to, well, everyone thinks that police brutality is bad, right? Right. There, I think where the debate is, is um, the amount of like innocence of like the victims. Mm. So I would argue that the only time lethal use force is justified is if it is a situation where the police will likely be killed without it. Likely be killed without it. I agree with you. That means that the perpetrator has to be armed and at least facing you. Yes. Um, So I think that that's like part of the tension here. Um, Of course, George Floyd's family is from Houston. um, And so folks in Houston are are very upset. And um, HPD is relatively violent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we have some issues here with police brutality. Uh, Dallas is quite a bit more liberal than Houston is, and um, I think that they're pushing through reforms. Um, And then, of course, Austin. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least in Houston, um, we have a police chief who has been seen, like, walking with the protesters and all this stuff, and I think it's just lip service, to be honest. Okay. So... Yeah. We'll see. Right. Uh, but the fact that um, two major Texas cities um, are starting to get traction towards defunding the police is a very big deal. Now, again, when people say the word defunding, it is different than dismantling. It just means that they're going to make cuts to the budget and then ideally use that money to fund uh, social programs that will pr- promote public safety in other yeah. ways. Yeah. That includes other uh, programs related to like, if you call 911, you can get a mental health specialist out to, to the situation versus an armed police officer who doesn't have the capacity or training to actually deal with the situation. So, yeah. yeah. So when we say social programs, it will also be in relation to emergency calls, you know, all that other stuff. Not just mm-hmm. not just after school programs and you know shit yeah. like that. Um, yeah, but people who are who are worried about like where these funds are going, it's going to be uh, going towards public safety initiatives. Yeah. But then you look at like how much money these cities are spending on the police, and it is substantial. All right, Austin. Ooh, glad the you brought percentage, this up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the percentage of Austin's budget that goes towards the police last year was almost forty percent. Dallas was thirty-six percent. San Antonio thirty-seven percent. Houston thirty-three. Yeah, New York is about a third. Yeah, we're at five point nine billion dollars for our police department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is like a huge amount of money, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, like, so I wrote an article um, about the Houston budget in the lead up to the vote. And Houston spends like 30 something percent on police, 2% on public health, 
scheduled for this next coming year, and that budget was written during a pandemic. Hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. I would just, that ain't right. No. Um, and then I have a quote from the Austin City Council member, uh, Greg Sazer. And I'm hoping that this means that um, this budget is going to have uh, some support behind it for these mm -hmm. cuts. He said, we should be treating homelessness not with policing, but with housing. We should be treating addiction not with policing, but with treatment. We have dedicated so many of our public dollars simply to policing, and that hasn't made us actually more safe. Nope. He's totally right. Scott Stringer, who's the city comptroller here, has basically said the same thing this week. And he wants yeah, to... He wants to defund the NYPD 1.1 billion over the next four years, which is, mm -hmm. um, in the grand scheme of things, it's 265 million a year, which doesn't put a huge dent in their budget. Yeah, it's probably doable. Mm -hmm. And that money can be going again towards things that are going to be reducing crime. Yeah, and this is just their operating costs. It doesn't it doesn't account for equipment, precincts, mm -hmm. cars, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then, um, so just for perspective on, like, again, people have said this a million times, uh, how race is factoring into the criminal justice system. In 2018, a third of Texas prisoners were black. Black people make up 12% of Texas's population. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You don't call that disparity. I don't know what is. Yeah. Just for some context to this. Oh um, God. Right? Mmm. Proud day to be a Texan. Yeah, there's no institutional racism. Nope. But anyway, but I'm hoping that Austin and Dallas are going to, you know lead the way yes i like dallas and austin um I like dallas more they have really good um stuff on like gay rights in dallas which is cool i'm actually yeah. trying to learn how just awful houston is when it comes to um civil rights because it, it's like houston will like do something and then like two years later they you put things to vote and then everything gets rescinded yeah. Because uh, here people, like, everything's on, like, a ballot measure. Right. Uh, I spent time in Dallas because I wasn't in a long-distance relationship with an ex-boyfriend of mine for a couple of years. So I went down there almost every other weekend for a couple years. Mm -hmm. Spent a lot of time there. Liked it very much. People were lovely. Yeah. And it was. It was very, it was very, um, I want to call it left-leaning, but people were uh, freer just to be who they were right there was gay people everywhere and they had a pride parade mm -hmm. and we were down there for that one year and yeah it was cool i liked it mm -hmm. um so do you have anything else let me see what i've got scrolling through my notes make sure we covered everything oh the mayor promised on sunday that he would shift funding from the nypd towards youth initiatives and social services which doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, yes, we need those two. Yes. Um, but we need, we need you 
to commit to to alternate public safety reforms too. So it was kind of a little empty in the promises. Mm-hmm. But I think he's calling it in at this point. Yeah. Because he's That's his, good. it's his last term. So. Um, I have one that is very satisfying. So mm. I think maybe we can end with that. Mm-hmm. And then we can just play some really nice music. Yes, we haven't had good... Be- I like, Yeah, we usually go over these days when we're chatting at home. Um, all right. So <laughs> I put together a small section on police resignations. Oh, give it to me. Give it to me. All right. I should pour some more wine for this one. Yes, <laughs> please. Yes, please. Uh, so the thing I think is funny is there's like a trend where police will be like, you're standing with the protesters. I'm going to resign. And I'm like, yes. Bye, Karen. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. All right. So the entire SWAT team in Hallandale Beach, Florida, uh, resigned, I guess, in protest of the protesters. <laughs> Good anyway, that's later one SWAT team down. Now, it's important to note that they have not resigned from the police department, just from the SWAT team. Oh, okay. That's some pussy bullshit right there. It is. I yeah. still need my pension, but I don't want to work. I will say, though, that, like, the SWAT teams have, like, a notorious <clears throat> notorious track record when it comes with, um, like, targeting black communities, you know? And um, it's wild. When I was growing up, I thought the SWAT team was there for, like, bomb threats and crisis negotiation. So no. I. These so days, I. like, the vast majority of their calls are warrants. Were they involved really? in the Breonna Taylor no, um, that okay. was not a SWAT team. It was kind of a, it is like unclear to me um, what the exact definition difference between a SWAT team and a just heavily armed group of cops are. I would call it an acronym. I would call it, the difference is they don't have an, an acronym. Yeah. So, Brianna Taylor was not killed by an official SWAT team, um, but they were acting in a SWAT team-esque capacity from what I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, SWAT teams, um, I was doing some research for this for my article, and they uh, tend to be around a lot more in non-white communities, um, specifically black communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a not great fatality rate, like they'll they'll shoot you. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like known to escalate situations that probably did not need to be as dangerous as they are. So a SWAT team in Florida resigning, no skin off my back. Uh, We also had 57 police officers in Buffalo, New York, uh, who resigned from the quote emergency response team uh, following the suspension of two officers who pushed a 75-year-old protester and cracked his head open. He's still in the hospital. Oh, is he? I think he's still in the hospital. Finally out of a, a 
coma. I think he's finally like actively responsive now. Yeah. He, yeah. The video is very disturbing to watch them push him over. And yeah, then and they're like, oh, he tripped. I'm like, no, he didn't. You can no. really see it. It doesn't matter. Like one one of the young little officers following behind, like went went to bend over and see if he was okay. And they, his fellow senior officers pulled him up and made him mar- kept marching. So yeah. you can leave. We don't care. Also, mm-hmm. didn't fully resign from the force, though. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, this officer did. An officer in Tennessee uh, released his like YouTube diatribe um, after re- and resigned from his position. He's just quitting being a police officer um, from the stress caused by anti-police sentiment. That sounds like the guy who resigned from NASCAR because they wouldn't fucking fly <laughs> the the rebel flag. Like, come on. And then um, NASCAR released a thing. They're like, we had to Google you, and it doesn't look like you ever want to race. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, sir. And then I just have, um, real quickly, um, Atlanta Police Chief Erica Shields uh, resigned her position um, after the shooting of Richard Brooks. That was uh, so at a, I believe a Wendy's, was it? Yeah. yeah. So fucked up. And then the officer who shot Brooks, uh, Garrett Rolf, was fired. And so I'm hoping, well, I'm hoping that um, Garrett Rolf, the officer who, who shot him, I hope he gets charged. Um, well, he should, considering the autopsy yeah. report says that he shot the guy two times in the back. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Richard was killed on this, like, really weird call. He was, like, sleeping in his car in, like, this parking lot at Wendy's, and then the police come and talk to him. And when they try to arrest him, he grabs one of the officer's tailors, ta- tasers and runs away. And so one of the officers shoots him in the back as he runs away. So he's running away. And then also a taser is, like, non lethal that's like literally why the cops have them so you can't say that your life is in danger because it's not did your partner have another taser you could use (laughs) yeah no kidding uh so uh yeah i mean it just sounds like it sounds like richard was just sort of sleeping off a couple of beers or something which i've done i'm not saying i'm not judging i've done that too and it sounds like it escalated into something that it did need to, and and um, he ran off in fear of his life, which in the current climate, you can't blame the kid. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah. Uh, so they're consider they're looking at charges against the officer this week. Mm-hmm. We'll keep you posted. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is definitely. Um, one more resignation to add to our list. I'm so I'm going to run my witch sticks together this week, and I'm wishing for two particular resignations. One is the head of the NYPD Police Union, Pat Kelly. He needs to go. And the head of the Minneapolis Police Union, I forget his name, but he's always at the Trump rallies. He also needs to go, and he is a blight on society. 
So I'm going to light some candles and rub some sticks together to make that happen this week. (laughs) Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, I think that's all for this episode of Crime Talk BK. Please join us every Saturday from 11 a.m. to noon. Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Later days. Yeah, 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 yeah.